Welcome to Northern Gold, a football podcast from the Evening Express and Press and Journal. I'm Ryan Crail. Today I'm joined by only two of our esteemed regulars, Andy Skinner and Jamie Durant. How are we, people? I'm um, good, thanks. Oh, good, thanks, Ryan. Yes, yourself? Yeah, okay. Um, delighted to finally see an Aberdeen goal at the weekend. It was uh, good, but we're not going to start there. Um, we're going to start. We're going to start in reverse a little bit today. We're going to begin with some Inverness news, then talk about their game, and move on to Ross County, who had a great result of their own against Celtic, and then we'll come back to the Dons. Inverness-wise, it's um, been a, an interesting couple of days. Uh, they they beat. United on Saturday, 2-0, away from home. Great result for them. However, in the last day or so, it has emerged that uh, boss John Robertson's going to take um, a period of compassionate leave following a family bereavement, which, given that their assistant manager is also out of the game at the moment as well, that means Inverness have to take a, what I, what I have never heard of before, maybe an unprecedented step, I'm not sure, but bringing in a, a manager who's going to take the reins for the next few weeks and maybe an assistant as well to sort of fill in for John and Scott Kelliker before they are able to return. So first of all, let's start there, Jamie. You were at the press conference yesterday. What was the what was the explanation of events given? What are Inverness hoping to do to um, bring in somebody temporary in the meantime? Well, the explanation they were given, uh, they gave us, sorry, from came from Scott Gardner, the chief executive, um, that over the last few days, John Robertson had been dealing with um, a family bereavement and a kind of a series of kind of awful events that obviously they weren't too keen to elaborate on beyond that initial information. Um, it was indicated that John would be taking a period of compassionate leave. There's been no kind of time frame put on that. It's very much dependent on how much time John feels he needs. And I think that's perfectly understandable in the situation. It was also explained that Scott Kelliker um, was off for a, a kind of a, the foreseeable future as well. I mean, I think it had been known that he he hadn't been with the team for a while, um, but it was it was kind of said that from Scott that he'd been give, he'd um, been serious suffering with a serious illness, and he'd also contracted COVID nineteen um, and hadn't been well, so he would be away for the foreseeable future. Um, and he'd spoken to Scott Kelliker as well. And he was okay with them releasing that information to to the public. Um, and given the run of games that they've got coming up, where they're playing, I think they've got eight games now before the end of March, they would be looking for an experienced kind of figurehead to come in and and lead the team because they felt it was too much to put on the shoulders of, of Barry Wilson and Ryan Essen, who until an appointment's made, they will be in charge of the team. Um, as at the time of recording, there's been no appointment made. So I'd expect that Barry and Ryan will be taking the team for the game against Alloa on Tuesday night. Who knows about the game against, against Hearts on Saturday. Um, but the kind of, they were very open and honest about the situation they were in. Obviously that's got to have come with a degree of um, probably explanation and understanding from, from John Robertson and Scott Kelliker themselves that there's a certain, amount of information that they needed to to provide a clear picture of what's going on at the moment. It is a bit of an unprecedented step, but I guess they felt they had to balance out the the needs of the, the two individuals, that they need time off 
away from football at the minute to deal with whatever they're dealing with. And there's also a need to keep the club moving forward, given the, the pressures and the the important games that they've got coming up. We've said um, we've said unprecedented a couple of times here, but are, are you too aware of this a situation where this has ever happened before at a club? I, I can't think of one myself. I tried tried Google this morning, but with no luck. Um, also, you touched on there the fact that they're trying to bring somebody temporary in, but I think Scott Gardner was keen to emphasise that it's not an addition for John Robertson's job or for Scott Kelliker's job. They're, they very much are going to come back because you can't send somebody off on compassionate leave and replace them. Permanently, of course, that would be totally immoral. But it's going to take a specific type of person, isn't it? That's in a specific type of situation that's going to be able to come in for the short short period of time. Probably relocate to the Highlands, maybe if they're not already based there, and then you know have the experience to do the job. Hopefully, Calitas will be hoping get them in a position where they're close to promotion, and then just step away. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a position that might well appeal to some out of work managers just now who you know, need to, to get something on the C V to, to bolster their own long term prospects of, of securing a, another job. Um with the position that Inverness are in with plenty to play for, you know, it does have the the potential to, to be quite a, a good fit for someone, um, if they can carry on the good work that John Robertson's doing. And I think just with the you know, what Jamie mentioned there about, you know, the the fact that there's an undetermined um kind of timescale on this you, you know it's probably for the best that they, they bring someone in um just to t- sort of take the take the pressure off John Robertson and allow him to to spend as much time as he needs you know around his family but the yeah it's going to be an interesting one there's you know obviously the the possibility that they could look to bring someone in that's worked at the club before um you know there might be other managers that that don't you know, live in the, the Highlands and haven't worked in the Highlands before that, that might, you know, fancy the the change. I would imagine John Robertson might have, you know, still some input. Um, you know, I would, I would think there'll be, um, you know, a good understanding there from his point of view that, you know, this, this new manager will be coming in temporarily and probably coming in a bit cold from the, the outside. So, um, you know, I, I don't think he'll be afraid to, to chip in with with help and guidance here and there but just with the the busy schedule that Inverness have got when they're they're playing two sometimes three games each week um and this this catch-up schedule they've got I think just the the amount of planning and training that that goes with that really you know necessitates an extra pair of hands to to kind of lead the lead the show with Barry Wilson and Ryan Esson obviously helping that uh I mean, it will be no problem for them to to take the the team for tonight's game as as expected. They've both got a, a very solid understanding of the the group of players that Inverness have got, and um, I'm, but I'm sure they'll be kind of looking forward to to having a you know a, a good understanding with the the new man that uh, that eventually comes in. I think it's I think it's important to to kind of say that we often kind of see football as like completely disparate from the real world that we that we live in um but i think at the same time managers are still kind of like human beings like the rest of us um albeit with a kind of a far greater scrutiny on the jobs that they do um and they can still be affected by by tragedies and kind of emotional circumstances um i think we've seen the same uh, similar situation recently with um 
Jurgen Klopp down at Liverpool, obviously losing his mother and he wasn't able to kind of go and and see and see her before she passed away. And John didn't go to the memorial service um, on Saturday because he was at Inverness's game with Air United. Um, so that in itself has to take some sort of emotional toll on it as well. Um, and you can you can totally understand feeling at that point why he needed to take some time away. And particularly, you would think, given since Scott Kellogg has been away as well for at least a month or so, that that would increase the strain and stresses on John Robertson as kind of the figurehead of the club and all the roles that that entails. I mean, they're quite, by all accounts, he's, they're quite close, the two of them, John and, and Scott Kellogg. So losing his right-hand man there, as good a job as Barry and Ryan will do, it will inevitably increase the the strains on on John. I mean, and he throws something like this, something like a family bereavement into the mix. It's it's totally understandable that he's he wants some some time away. I noticed in your pieces today, Jamie, there was mentioned that John Robertson had helped pick the team for the game tonight after the weekend's win over Air United. Andy, I think you were at that game. Um, it looked like. Cali Thistle, despite the fact they've had this really sort of bitty sort of season so far, um, despite Air had a goal rightly disallowed early on for a clear foul, but they looked like Inverness. It looked like Inverness played really well. Their first goal was something to behold. Yeah. Yeah. No. This this was exactly what Inverness needed. Um, just with the the run of six games without a win that preceded it, they missed a another glorious opportunity to climb the table in one of their games in hand against Queen of the South on Wednesday and this trip to air was a, a huge opportunity that you know when you look at how other results went it, it really um, you know it's it's just as well they picked up the three points because you know it's put them right back into the, the mix for, for these playoff spots um, with, with one result alone so they, they looked up for it from the, the very start air actually began the game quite well that disallowed goal um, that you, you mentioned Ryan came in the, the midst of a fair bit of pressure from them because um, they were actually backed by a really strong wind in the first half which was causing a bit of problem um, it's one of those situations where you're kind of thinking that if Inverness can get to half time still at nil nil, knowing that they'll be shooting with the wind in the second half then and they'll have the wind then they'll take that yeah they'll ha- they'll have the wind so to actually go in one nil up was a huge boost and a fantastic goal. A great link-up play bet- between all the the attackers, really, with Nikolai Todorov picking the ball up on the halfway line and striding forward with it. He found Shane Sutherland in a, a good position. It was kind of three against two at that stage, and Shane could well have taken it on himself, but he just showed really good awareness to to spot this late run from um, from the outside left coming in from from Daniel Mackay. Um, good understanding between those two who played on um, played together at Elgin last season when when Daniel was on loan there. So uh, just a, a one touch to, to put Mackay through, and he sent it home with a, a really composed finish. Um, so that that's what Inverness are capable of in an attacking sense. They scored really early in the second half as well, which kind of settled them right down. A uh, bit more good fortune about that one with. Todorov's shot being blocked by Sutherland and mm-hmm. falling perfectly for him to uh, to 
took it away with a, another composed finish. That's Shane Sutherland now um, well ahead in terms of Inverness's scoring charts. He's now scored five since he came back to the club. So kind of a sign of how well he's managed to settle back into playing at championship level. But um, you know, thereafter, Inverness actually had you know a number of chances to, to make the points completely safe. Um, Robbie Dees had a header well saved by the goalkeeper. Todorov had a, a one-on-one blocked. Um, bit of pressure at the end from here, probably to be expected. They kind of threw everything at Inverness to to try and get a, ba- a way back into the game. But um, no, they they held out. And yeah, as I say, with with other results, with Dundee losing to Queen of the South and Wraith Rovers losing to Arbroath, it just tightens up that that mid-table pack. And as we've touched on with Inverness's games in hand, first of which against Alloa tonight, there's a a real opportunity for much-needed momentum to be built here, which is exactly what is going to to sort of make or break their their playoff hopes. What's the? I I, I you kind of touched on it there, but what, what's the Inverness fans' mood like at the moment? Is it, is it tough to tell? Obviously, with no fans on the ground, but I seen one fan this week who tweeted us saying that they're in a relegation fight. But to me, it looks nothing like that because it's almost the championship can hinge on one round of fixtures. Every place in the championship, bar hearts probably, can virtually change. So to me, it's it's kind of hard to tell at the moment how Cali Thistle's season's going until they've, you know, they've played what maybe like four more games or something. However many games they're behind, is that is that how the most of the fans you think would be feeling at the moment? I wouldn't. I wouldn't say most of them are resigned to them being in a relegation battle. Um, I suppose it might be, you know, easy for people to to get a bit carried away and a bit despondent, you know, after some of the frustrating results that they've picked up recently, um, you know, because the the defeat to Queen of the South on Wednesday last week left them uh, second bottom of the table, which, yeah, obviously is not where you want to be. But, you know, the games in hand, I think the biggest frustration has been knowing that they've got the games in hand, the points that they've already dropped could have had them in... And around that top four already, you know, with the matches still to play over their their rivals there, um, they're they're now still in the the chasing pack for the playoffs and still perfectly capable of breaking into that top four. But I think they could have been in a, a more secure position up, up in the top half of the table. Um, you know, just if you look at some of the the points they've squandered the. You know they were ahead against Alloa in December, and Alloa came back and won that two-one. They were two-one ahead against a ten-man Morton down at Capelo and had to settle for a, a draw. Queen of the South last week, first game back in in a while, the first home game of the of calendar year, and created multiple chances. Just um, got hit by a, a Queen's breakaway on that occasion and. It's it's yeah been a bit of a hard luck story in a lot of these games, and it, it it you know just has held them back from from being where they want to be. But you know they've they've traditionally finished the season quite well. Sometimes you know they've had schedules like this where they've they've played you know a lot of games in quick succession. So I think I, don't, I think as long as they can build on this result against Air, the you know the positivity will come back. Um, but you know, it just Saturday did just underline how quickly the the league can change. It's it's renowned for being uh, a league where 
you know just one or two results can can swing things really quickly and um Inverness know that fine well having been in the, the division for four years now so um although there's frustration that they're not already among that top four they've still got the the potential to to really make their presence felt in that that top half of the, the table in the weeks to come okay let's move on then we shall go across the highlands to Dingwall next where Ross County recorded a famous victory okay so Andy and another cracker over the weekend you saw Ross County beat Celtic 1-0 in Dingwall a result that has truly um improved the look of the premiership table for county down the bottom and you're starting to think a couple more results in winnable games i would say in the next couple of rounds of fixtures that they could they could really pull away from trouble a little bit yeah yeah um i mean they they can if they can if they can build on this um that's what's eluded them all season really is you know a couple of big results like like this one that they've had albeit on a smaller scale they've They've beaten Hibs and Aberdeen, but still not managed to to record those back to back wins since the the opening two weeks of the season. So, you know, when they go down to St Mirren on Saturday, they'll really hope that they can, um, you know, reverse that trend and and you know build on this Celtic result because um, it was one that probably people expected not to happen. Um, although Kilmarnock have been in poor form. You know, people would have looked at Ross County playing Celtic and thought, well, they, they probably won't get anything there. So, you know, they'll have to try and leapfrog Kilmarnock another day. But, you know, this this result alone moves them out of the, the relegation places and gives them a, a fantastic platform now because the, you know, the vast majority of their games that they've got between now and the end of the season are against teams in the, the bottom half. Uh, St Mirren obviously sitting sixth just now, but... Um, no, a big, big run of fixtures coming up and just a, a result that they have to take huge confidence from. It's the second time they've beaten Celtic this season after the, the League Cup triumph earlier in the campaign and um, just a, you know, a crucial three points for them. Um, a, a really, a really big lift that they can, they can take from that one. But uh, John Hughes very much stressing the need to, to sort of keep the, the feet on the ground and, and make sure they, they see the job through. I'd be interested to know if there's ever been a team that has beaten Celtic twice in a season, albeit in all competitions, and then subsequently went down. That seems unlikely that it's ever happened before. Um, on the game itself, I know Celtic were pretty wasteful. I'm sure you'd agree in front of goal. Ryan Christie especially missed chance after chance after chance, and County didn't help himself early on. I think it was Jakovic got caught down beside the corner flag on the right-hand side and sort of let Celtic in for what could have been the opening goal after just a few minutes. But although they cough up chances and that's all that's been an issue at one end all season long, they still, they're... When you watch Aberdeen, for example, play Celtic, maybe not that many clear-cut chances, but County had still had a few chances of their own. They still create stuff. I suppose that's the John Hughes... It's even more pronounced since John Hughes come in, that ability to... or willingness to get forward and create and I mean the goal from Jordan White as well it seems like Ollie Shaw Jordan White and Billy McKay although they're kind of all dotting in and out with the team under John Hughes they're all scoring goals yeah yeah it's it, um, for any team that's down fighting relegation um, to have 
two strikers that have been on the on the score sheet in recent weeks sitting on the bench behind Jordan White. That's a great position to be in, and it just underlines, um, you know, the potential that County have got within their squad to to get themselves out of this. But uh, I mean, Jordan White has been a signing that that, that John Hughes was really keen to make. Uh, just that that profile of centre forward was was something that he he felt he really needed in the January window. Someone that could, you know, win tussles against defenders and hold the ball up. Uh, that physical outlet, um, something that they they perhaps didn't have. They, they had Ross Stewart, obviously, but he had been injured when John Hughes came in and always looked likely to leave. So getting Jordan White in and getting him off to a good start has, has been huge. Um, and his goal just underlined the, the threat that he, he shows in any set-piece situation. Um, so it's it's a tough decision for John Hughes because you know particularly Ollie Shaw has been in really good form in recent weeks um, but has sat out the, the last couple of games. So no, for, for any team that's down at the bottom of the table, um, you know, that's not something you, you normally expect is to have your strikers in good form like that. But I mean, the, the, the game plan worked to perfection really with with this game against Celtic, they they were set up, um, you know, pretty rigidly. Um, the chances Celtic did get, particularly in the first half, just came about through individual errors, as you say, Ryan. And you know, the Yakoviti one uh, was also followed by a, a wee miscue by Ross Laidlaw, which allowed them in as well. Um, had to ride their luck a wee bit. Ryan Christie's miss was a bit of a, a shocker <laughs> uh, from six yards out. But you, you kind of need to do that sometimes against Celtic. Um, possession stats kind of speak for themselves as well. I think Celtic had 73% to County's 27. So, yeah, they, they posed a, a you know a reasonable threat on occasions, County. Tony Andrew, Blair Spittle, who was back in the team, had opportunities which um, maybe not you know clear-cut chances, but um, you know doing enough to just test Scott Bain and, and make sure Celtic knew that they were in a game and I guess that, that big chance was always something County were waiting for and when it eventually came 20 minutes from time they, they were able to stick it away and, and crucially hold firm to the pressure that that followed after that and it was a really brave defensive showing thereafter very reminiscent of what they did at Parkhead just bodies all over the box uh, charging down everything and Ross Laidlaw when he was called upon as well making a, a fantastic save in stoppage time from El Yanusi's header. So um, just exactly what County needed to do. It's another big result. Uh, as we touched on, they've, they've beaten Celtic, Hibs and Aberdeen now under John Hughes. Now they've really got to improve on their record against the teams in and around them. We've, we've mentioned Kilmarnock's freefall. After County play St Mirren this weekend, they host Kilmarnock, which uh, is going to be a massive game. Um, really one that, that gives them the opportunity to to build up a gap, depending on what happens this weekend, of course. Um, but one that they really don't want to be losing. So, um, no, big big period coming up now, uh, but it's a result that should um, give them no end of confidence in their their scrap for uh, survival. I was going to say, yeah, that um, that save from Ross Laidlaw before I'd seen that one. It was uh, Jordan Pickford's save. From Jordan Henderson's volley was the uh, the save of the weekend for me, but yeah, that one that one tipped it. I think to get across, especially given the pressure, 
that county were under at that point to get across so far so quickly and tip it around the post like that was pretty spectacular green final stuff for readers <laughs> of Express. there's a flashback right next next up we'll move on to our, our final game we've got to discuss our final club we've got to discuss which andy you'll obviously be able to contribute to as well you'll be able to tell us how aberdeen get at selic saturday but first of all we'll discuss aberdeen one kilmarnock nil after this break Okay, Jamie, you were there. It wasn't pretty again, um, but the drought is over. Aberdeen scoring their first goal in seven games. Uh, they still need to perform better, but do you think that'll come as a result of just ending this? Who do you think the pressure might have been starting to get to them? Yeah, I think the main thing you take from from that game is it's purely it's purely a psychological boost at A, scoring a goal and B, winning a game. I don't think you can take too much on a performance-related kind of basis from that. Um, they were still kind of very kind of stunted in in their attack. Um, there wasn't too many saves for for the keeper to make, and so, given them credit, like defensively, they'd held Kilmarnock at bay for for most of the game, and they didn't have kind of too Kilmarnock didn't have too many opportunities. But by the same token. The goal came from a set piece. It was a great delivery into the box and it's a header that somebody probably should have picked up Callum Hendry. It's a good header, but he's kind of he's got away from his marker to head it in. Um yeah, it's three points. It's it doesn't allow Hibbs to get any further away. And given it's already the gap's already at four points with a game in hand on third place, I think any further ground would have left it on a near insurmountable task to to try and overtake them. Um, the way the way Aberdeen is set up at the minute, they're almost kind of still playing like they've got a big kind of focal target man striker up there. I mean, for the majority of the game on Saturday, they didn't. I mean, Fraser Hornby went off after 20 minutes and they played with obviously Canberra and Callum Hendry up there. And neither of them is this big six foot plus robust kind of striker. Callum Hendry is a runner who likes to get onto things and workspace and Florian Canberra I've been really impressed with him in the couple of games that I've seen him. He, he looks like he's got a bit of craft about him. He wants the ball into his feet and wants to try and make things happen, which is a striker type of striker that Aberdeen have not had for a while. And it maybe does necessitate playing a little bit differently. Um, they've played three central midfielders as well the last few games. Dean Campbell's been getting a run. Um, Derek was speaking after the game about encouraging Dean Campbell to play a little bit more vertically rather than kind of being just kind of a midfielder that's just going to sit and be this kind of nice midfield play. He wants him to kind of be a bit more all actions, probably the best way of describing it. Um, on Saturday, Lewis Ferguson was the the kind of the one who had the onus to carry the ball forward into the final third from midfield. And he was probably Aberdeen's most lively player. And there's still plenty to work on for Aberdeen to get to anywhere near the level. I would imagine Derek McInnes wants him to be, but you've got to take the kind of the basics from this and that it, it hopefully puts to bed the kind of the psychological wars that came with the run they were on and can kind of kickstart them again in, into what's going to be a crucial part of the season. Slightly worrying, perhaps, that Kilmarnock, a team who are on their own miserable run, had so many chances and appeared to kind of really come back in the game in the final stages. Given given they were throwing balls forward the way they were, should Aberdeen maybe have you know, created chances on the break even to sort of put the game out of sight after the break. I think that's maybe maybe a sign of where 
Aberdeen are at at the minute, even though they were 1-0 in front, there maybe isn't that confidence there to go on and kill a game off. Because, so they've not, they hadn't been winning games. I think it was one win in, in 10 before that, and they hadn't won in the last six and, and not scored a goal. So you can maybe understand why there's a shortage of confidence to to go and capitalise on a, an, an advantageous position that they were in. But at the end of the day, they can they can learn from that. It's not cost them, thankfully, at the end of the day. They've still got they've still got the three points on the board and they've they've still got hips to play. Um, matters don't get any easier for them having to go to Celtic on Saturday. Having been there, well, it would have been ten days ago uh, by the time Saturday comes around, and they were they were decent enough at Parkhead last week, but didn't have the kind of the creativity or the cutting edge, however you want to call it, to to kind of take advantage of that position. You'd, you'd hope, having watched having watched say, Celtic against against Ross County and seen them in close quarters last week, you'd like to think they can work out ways to to beat them and hopefully, hopefully, um, kind of get a rare win at Parkhead. I think um, the last Celtic game, the pressure was probably at its peak um, over Derek McInnes' future. However, that Celtic game still felt like a bit of a free hit as long as, as, long as Aberdeen put in a sort of half-decent performance, which they did as long as they didn't get an absolute shoe. And is this one, given that Celtic have just lost to Ross County, is is this as much of a free hit, this one? Or will, do you think the expectations will be higher that they need to get points from this game? And Andy, one for you as a secondary. What's the best way for Aberdeen to approach this? Jamie, you you were there last week at Parkhead. You saw Aberdeen kind of, I think we could safely say they sat back a little bit. And that was to their detriment in that early period it was when they actually came out and attacked Celtic should that be something they're doing from the start is that what is that what has been proven by the Ross County game do you think well I think there's always there's always been increased expectation on Aberdeen particularly over the last couple of years in relation to games against Celtic because they've not got that many results against them and part of that is down to the dominance of the team that Brendan Rodgers built but I think you also kind of have to kind of look at it as in some of the approaches that Aberdeen have taken to the games like I think it was it was the last season they got beat was it three or four nil they got beat at home um, against yeah and they were like against, four, four nil down at half time or whatever yeah. yeah and those kind of ones will stick in the memory of fans and that will just kind of increase the the pressure and expectation to go into a game like that and it's if Celtic were sweeping all before them again this season like they have been in the past then there may be a little bit more of a caveat to this game that again like you were saying that fans might think it's a little bit of a free hit but. Given how patchy Celtic's form's been, given that they've only kind of squeaked out a one-nil win against Aberdeen last week, and given they've just been beaten by Ross County for the second time this season, I think maybe understandably fans will say, "Look, we can go there and get a result against Celtic. It's not impossible." Um, again, it comes down to the belief and the confidence of their own players. Maybe if Aberdeen were on a better run than they had been, it would be. Um, not more straightforward for for McInnes, but it would be he'd probably he'd probably have a better idea of what he could get out of his team on a game like that. Whereas they've just come out of a kind of a torrid run, and maybe needing to kind of find the feet again. I, I still think they're, they're more than capable of taking something from from the game on Saturday. And defensively, they've not been too bad of late. They've been kind of fairly solid. It's it's going forward that's 
that's becoming the kind of the real issue. And that's that's where you've got to try and hurt Celtic. I mean, I think it was um John Hughes said after the game on Saturday and speaking to Duncan Shearer yesterday, he referenced it in his column. I mean, the longer you the longer you can keep Celtic at bay, the more chance you've got of getting something out of the game. And that has to be Aberdeen's approach. I mean, they they were a goal down after kind of 15 minutes, I think it was last week. So you immediately then your game plans out the window and you're having to play catch up. Um maybe maybe County have kind of shown shown a little bit of a way of how to how to get something against Celtic. Yeah, um, I, th- I mean, there's going to be a lot of scrutiny on Celtic and a, a lot of eyes on how they can bounce back from the setback against Ross County because it, it looked as if their own form had really picked up. You know, they'd strung a few wins together and were looking like they had Edward particularly back, um, you know, with his mojo. Um, and then this result kind of, as Neil Lennon put it after the game, just kind of encapsulated their season with the way that they they conceded a set-piece goal, which just, again, underlines their defensive frailties. Um, so I think Aberdeen have to to show quite an early belief that they can go and capitalise on that. Um, I think that's something that Ross County did to an extent in the first half of the, the game, although they, they did have to weather a bit of pressure. They still did enough to kind of show that they were they were there looking for the the points, um, getting a few shots at goal early on. Um, Jordan White in particular was was a handful for the the Celtic defence, and that's going to be a shift that you know the, the Aberdeen forwards are going to have to to be ready for on 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 Saturday. Um, it'll be interesting to see if Callum Hendry comes in after his goal. Obviously, with Hornby going off injured, looks likely that he'll be be out for a you know a wee while at least. But uh, you know, if Callum Hendry comes in, then you know from what I've seen of him, he looks like a, a guy that will kind of relish that that physical contest up front. And um, with the link up play that Camberry's shown so far, you know he's got the potential to to be a guy that sort of unlocks the door, uh, which is you know something that Aberdeen kind of need from their performance. They need that. That sign of encouragement in an attacking sense to um, just really let Celtic know that they're they're in a game and just try and unsettle Celtic from a, an early stage. The, the last thing they want to be doing is going behind again, like they did in their last trip to Parkhead uh, a week ago. So, uh, just as Jamie said there, touching on Duncan Shearer's column, just staying in the game as long as possible, and um, <clears throat> they will have to call upon that that defensive shape as well to to make sure that Celtic um you know do get crowded out when when they're looking to to attack it's something that Ross County required massively particularly in the the latter stages after they'd made the breakthrough um and it, you know it's a formula that's worked well for county there's probably a bit more expectation on Aberdeen even though it's at Parkhead to to be an attacking threat um but um, you know, certainly a, a good balance is is going to be required, and uh, from Aberdeen's point of view, it, you know there is something to build on there with how they they went about the particularly the second half against Celtic last time around. So they they, they really have to to try and you know follow uh, in that formula to to try and pick up a result this time around. Touching Jordan White there, obviously kind of a big a big man up front. Fraser Hornby, as you said as well. Looks like he's probably going to miss the game. He's kind of Aberdeen's current big guy. He's not probably, I think, he's possibly been a bit disappointing for fans so far. But Callum Henry obviously came on a different type of player. Um, he'll 
probably have to start unless they go one up top with Florian Camberry. Um, on Saturday, Jamie, did you see enough in Callum Henry's performance that um, it'll bring something different to Aberdeen's play if he gets a start? And is he is is he good enough? I suppose is the the secondary question. I think he I think he has kind of shown that he's he brings something different to the table. Like I mentioned before, like Hombeus, he's kind of the he's the kind of the bigger forward that you're expecting to get the ball into it for it to stick. Camberry is one who enjoys the ball into feet and to try and make things happen. Hendry's a by the looks of it, he's a worker, he's a runner, he'll press people. And I think that's the kind of striker McInnes is going to need going to going to Parkhead, particularly if he's going to persist with playing two up front, which again, I don't see any reason why he wouldn't. I think Hendry, you'd imagine he'd be buoyed by getting that goal. He's obviously come off the bench to to score it as well. He wants a place in the team. I don't see why, particularly if there's a doubt over Hornby, that Hendry shouldn't keep his place. Um, Hornby's not offered too much yet. I mean, it was the first time I'd kind of seen him and um, Florian Camberry play together last week against Celtic, and it was marked that Camberry was much more influential in the game and, and looked like he wanted to be involved in the game more. And while you can kind of you can kind of say about Hornby that he's maybe not had the match sharpness of late. The same thing you could say about Camberry because he's not played a lot either. But Camberry, he kind of he kind of looked like he wanted to influence the game and try and, and try and get something going for his team. Whereas the way I kind of described it was that the game seemed to be kind of happening around Hornby, and it was it was similar a little bit on on Saturday. He did have his the kind of the the one shot that he had that kind of flew wide of the goal and the one where he injured himself in and then went off and that was it. And I mean, the Senate looks kind of, it doesn't look too great. So I can't see, particularly after Hendry scoring a goal, I can't see why they'd, they'd kind of bring Hornby back in if he wasn't uh, fully fit. You mentioned that uh, that shot. It was actual a bit of misfortune perhaps that when he was originally going to take the shot, when he was going to pull the trigger, that Dean Campbell in new vertical mode uh, actually got completely in his way, tried to take the ball off him and then when Hornby then sort of turns inside again and finally gets the shot off, he does himself an injury. Um, anyway, I think that, that'll just about do us for this week's podcast. The only other thing to mention is um, Jim McAnally in the papers this morning, referencing the fact that he he's pretty pessimistic now about the lower leagues getting um, the okay to restart after the, the SFA's uh, referee debacle with the refs going to Greece and then not properly... Um, isolating. Uh, we were kind of, I think next week, we were expecting news on well, the next update on whether, when the lower leagues, whether the lower leagues can get going again. But the First Minister is, of course, due to do a statement this, this afternoon, which could possibly, while well, also giving us an idea of when we'll all get outside and be able to do things again, might shed a bit of light on when football at part time level will be allowed to return. Um, Thanks to Andy and Jamie for joining me today. Cheers, guys. No problem. Thanks very much, Ryan. If you've enjoyed this week's episode of Northern Goal, uh, you can like and subscribe on your favourite podcast app. You can also email us at northerngoal at dctmedia.co.uk. And finally, enjoy whatever game you're streaming this weekend, whether that's, well, there's a Cali Thistle game at night, but whether it's any of their two games, whether it's Ross County at the weekend, or whether it's Aberdeen against Celtic or Celtic against Aberdeen should I say but anyway cheers thank you hope you loved the episode 
And if you did, we'd be grateful if you could leave us a review or rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to pick up your copies of the Press and Journal and Evening Express every day for the best football writing and analysis in the North.